You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So, Sid Talk, um, today's movie is not Resident Evil Retribution, but. We did just watch Resident Evil Retribution, the fifth... Are you considering this the before, the after the show discussion? It is. The fifth Resident but Evil But it's movie. a lie. Because it's not what we were talking about. <laughs> but we did just watch the fifth Resident Evil movie. Correct. Uh, what did you think of the fifth Resident what Evil movie? What did you think? Uh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, the Resident Evil movies. They're really bad, right? I think. They're fairly bad. They're like cheesy B-movies. But with a big budget. Bad how? What's bad? To give me an I think example. The, I think Resident Evil games, the storyline is fine, but it's kind of video gamey, if you get what I mean. It's not. Like, right, we're talking except, about the movie, though. What's bad? Right, about well, the movie. I'm just comparing. So it's not. Right. So the video game has a interesting story, but it's very Japanese video gamey. So it sometimes doesn't translate properly, and sometimes. It's very stiff and wooden and not very fleshed out. It's just a means to get you to fight things. That's what the movies have started to become. I think the first three movies were reasonably good, but I think the last two that we've seen, which was Afterlife and this one today, Retribution, they're just fight sequences with very flimsy story. It's like... And, and you know, nods to the fans. Yeah. That's all it's kind of boiled down to now. Um, I preferred the, the first three, especially the third one. It's, I think the third one's my favourite, the one in the desert. Because um, they add more of a story to them. It was, it was more mystery to it. There was more... Now it's just like, there's this big corporation. There's this Alice project. Who's she going to fight next? In slow motion. Well, that's not what it is to me. It's the world is overcome with people with this virus, like zombies and shit everywhere. Right, but it's... And we have to... It's flimsy. We know how it happened. And now we need to resolve it. That's the story to me. And I could do... You know, now... The, the fights are really long and drawn out now. And, they, and it, you know, because they're in 3D now, it's obvious they're trying to do things... Just this one time so far. Twice we're in 3D. Afterlife and this one. Um, Afterlife was? Yeah. And that was also full of 3D effects. And what I'm getting at is that these, like, obvious 3D effects. So, like, oh, we're going to film this, so this comes out of the camera. Or she throws something at the camera. Or a hammer comes towards the camera. It's a bit distracting for me, because it's like... It just seems really... Like, yeah, this is... Yeah, but if you were watching it in 3D, which you're not, then it might not. Right, so maybe my point is, make a good 2D film... And then add some, th- and then make it work in 3D as well. Don't make it only work in 3D and then make the 2D. But don't version. make it a 2D movie and then met. No, I don't mean. I don't 3D. mean a transform it. I mean, make sure your movie operates. You mean make a good movie. Yes, make That's sure it. your movie <laughs> operates in both dimensions without it seeming cheesy in the two dimension because you're watching it in the two dimension and going, oh, here comes another hammer at the screen. Here comes another bullet in slow motion at the screen. Yes, that probably looks cool in 3D, but in 2D, it just is a slow motion bullet coming at the screen. No, I think they look fine. I have no, I don't think about it like you though, because I don't give a shit about 3D, so it doesn't even. But occur it's just to me. so slow mo. It, it's like 
they make a fight scene last eight minutes instead of like two. It's like you think that's for the sake of three D or or three. I just think it's because they didn't what you said because you can't help yourself but compare to the video game, which I also think is bogus because it's a movie. It's not a video game, but loads of people, millions of people are doing that. You have to compare so they it just, to the video game. You don't have to at all. It's all the same character. I don't play so. the game, so don't, I don't care. Right, about Right, you the don't game. have to. But right, I, I am a movie watcher. So comparing this movie to video games means nothing to me. But, so to me, none of that matters. Like, I just watch it and I kind of... It's pretty low quality. But you're still comparing it. it. And they know that. So they're playing to the people, like you, and all the millions of other people who love Resident Evil and love action sequences and don't give a crap really about the depth of anything. I mean, I'm lowering this standard here. And that's what they're doing. Look, we're going to make money because people are going to buy them and people are going to watch them. And these are the things they want. And that's it. I guess my point was, though, it has, de- I know your point. It has devolved. Mm-hmm. The, sto- the story started off quite strong, mysterious, interesting. But they but resolved all that. That's why they resolved it. Left. And now, yes, they, yes, they resolved all that. And now they continue to make these movies, which have been resolved. No, I mean, I'm not saying that the story has been resolved because we're still infected with people and zombies and shit. So that needs to be resolved. But in terms of we know who did it, we know who's responsible, we know who perpetuates it, we know who's using it, we yeah, know there's who's no mystery experimenting in that. on it. Then again, there's no mystery to zombie movies that you like either. Romero movies. It's all the same. Zombies are taken over. But in this one, we're going to be in a, in a mall. And in this one, we're going to have experiments on a guy who's a zombie. And in this one, we're going to have... You know, so... But I think in the thing. first... At least three of these Resident Evil movies, there was questions and answers to be done, mm-hmm. and I was always like, "Oh, I wonder how they're going to handle that." Oh, and the only question that? left is, "How do we fix the world?" Right. There's, There's no more mystery. There is no more mysteries. So now it just. But there is all mystery to me because I don't know any of those people. I don't know those people who came into this. Right. Well. World. Well. Also, the also my other problem is, they put people in them from the games, but f- to no end. Like, yeah. they're, they're just, oh, there's the guy from the game. He's shooting at somebody. There's the live version of the guy instead yeah. of the video game version. Yeah, and it, it's it's cool. I, I said to you while we were watching it, they were going down on a lift, and I was like, this is like a cutscene from the game. They've got their outfits just right. They look like them. It's awesome. But what do you think the expectations are of people looking at They just want to see them. And there is like, none, yeah. and that's yeah. the reason it is what it is. Yeah. It, it's, and I can't deny I have fun watching them. Because if you make Leon different than what he is in the game, everybody's going to be pissed. But if you strip him down to what he looks like, a few one-liners, and the they're standard... So, they're so two-dimensional, though. It's like, you know... One-dimensional. Yeah, you not as a video game fan, right? So Leon means nothing to no, you. No, if you hadn't told me, I don't know anything. Right, about. so Leon and Barry Burton turn up. If you're a Resident Evil fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They both turn up. It's pretty awesome as a fan that Barry Burton turns up, right? He's like the original now, resident. To me, he, as a movie watcher, not knowing who they are, he fulfilled a, a whole character. He seemed rough and tumble. He da 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 da. He stood up. Not for a this whole and that. lot. But that was fine. He was rounded in that. Right. That I understood him. And he had his peak, and he had his fall down, and I was fine with that. Leon, a little gray area, but you're adding all of your years of playing to it. Right, and Ada Wong, and, mm-hmm. you know, this one yeah, particularly. I don't know the lady in the red dress, I don't know the guy with the vest, I only know the other and guy Jill because Valentine. he was in the other movie. This one's very fan service, because the most characters from the games appear, you know, even the 
um, the zombies mm-hmm. with the Maginis that they called and the Executioner times two and the massive liquor times four. You know they have they the, made the executioner even bigger than he was in yeah, the other one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and gave you two of them. Um, so it's all fan service. It's like wow, yeah, you know. Um, but it's a spectacle to look at. Yeah, it feels very empty. Like when mm-hmm. I'm finished, it's just like oh, that seemed like the last one. Now these these last two seem to blur together. So you're saying either don't make them anymore, or give us what add a whole new dimension to the story that doesn't exist in the games. And you do realize we're still in the before the after the show. Yes, yeah, do do, um, do yeah, um, more to it. Don't after. So just take off, like ignore the game. Ignore now the game. Make happen. up a whole new thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would do. That's how I. Would. Uh, but they won't be successful anymore. No. That's the problem. You see. You want more than they than everybody but else. Like, but on the other side of the fence, I enjoy them for what they are. Yeah. I like watching Milijovic for some reason. Who knows why? Um, we know why. Because she's, <laughs> <laughs> she's Lilu Dallas. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Lilu. Lilu Dallas. Multipass. Multipass. Um, but yeah, I like watching her in this role. You know, she, she definitely can handle the stunts and, you know, she's fun to watch. Her outfits are improbable. It's, you know, silly in part. It's very B-movie-ish. It's B-movie with a $50 million budget, right? But doesn't it raise your blood pressure a little bit every few few minutes? Yeah, but then sometimes I'm bored. I'm like, oh, look, she's shooting at stuff again. Yeah. (laughs) In slow motion. I'm like, oh, she's got two guns again. You know, it's a little bit boring. Because when I'm playing a video game and I'm playing one of the Resident Evil characters, I am shooting. I'm involved in it. They're, it's like they're playing the game for me with her. Ah, oh, so you're saying you've got one of those stunted attention spans. No. Not I can't a... sit there and watch them do it. I need to either be doing it or cut it short. No, I don't want to watch um, somebody play a video game is what I'm saying. But they're not. It's a movie. No, but they could be. So, in conclusion, I would like um, a Resident Evil game that has Milijovic in it. Like, as the main character. Because that's not been done. You've crossed that way, so let's cross that way. So you'd have to start over and get her story from the beginning. Or something. Or some in-between thing. Yeah, you have to have the origin of her and all that stuff. I'd like to see a, 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 a good Resident Evil game, a big budget one like they make, with her, with Alice as the um, protagonist. And with cameos from other people. It'd be really cool. And I'm surprised they've never done it. Because it is as much of a... The movies are as much of the franchise as the games are now, you know? They're huge. Probably not from their point of view, not at all. Capcom are fully involved in the movies, you know? They give them all their, you know, assets Clearly. and stuff. So, yeah, that's uh, Resident Evil Retribution. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too, in a way. But next week, it will all be a memory. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's. Uh... I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, but they blend together now for me. Like, like True. It I would blends. like to do a marathon once. Yeah, once. I was thinking that myself. I would I would like to because obviously they all do join together mm-hmm. quite well. Um, and in this one, they even do a thing at the beginning. Yeah, the beginning explains, was really good. I don't care. I liked the beginning. Part. I mean, they, they, they treat you as though maybe you didn't see the others. Like, we're going to explain what happened here. Which well, I thought I think was a good move because they didn't to. always do that. Well, they didn't always do it. Yeah, there's always a little bit of throwback to what's going on. Always. But this one's like a throwback to all of it. Like, it's like, yeah, remember these clips mm-hmm. from the first movie? Like, we went all the way back. So, um, it is Saturday, March the 16th, 2013. And this is after the show number 266. 
The movie we're looking at this week is The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. It's a 2012 movie. It's out on Blu-ray next Tuesday on the 19th, so you can pick it up then. Uh, it's available on uh, Blu-ray 2D and Blu-ray 3D, but they're not in the same... You know what I mean? You have There's two, di- two editions. We looked at the 2D edition. Um, it's from our friends at Warner Brothers. and uh, Lie number two. <laughs> what? We didn't look. No, I did. All right. So, um, Sid Talk, you are going to give us the synopsis of The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know how to describe it fully. You give the story. All right. Based on J.R.R. Tolkien's book. Is it J.R.R. Tolkien? Yeah, it is. Um, the Hobbit, which is the prequel to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Because my problem is, nar- kind of narrowing down, I mean, this is a segment of the story, which also, also annoys me, like all the other, all these other, we're going to do a series. So the objective of this movie, to me, is introduce all the characters and get us from point A to point B. Now, right, some it's could the say beginning of a journey. all of the Lord of the Rings movies are just that. Yes. Walking. We're walking. <laughs> if you've seen Clerks 2, you know what I'm saying. We're walking. We're Correct. walking. Uh, Randall likes to make fun of them. And the dwarves need to get back their homeland. Right. Or the dwarf and it's race, the prequel to the Lord of the Rings movies you're familiar with, the ones you've seen. Yeah, but I don't think that should be a factor. You see, that's my problem. You need to watch it as it is. It actually is a factor if you're a fan of these movies. But I'm not talking as a fan of these movies or the books. I'm talking about po- a mo- person. Characters, uh, I'm talking about a person going to a store or going online and going, Oh, The Hobbit. I've read that book, or maybe I've heard of that book. I'm going to watch this movie. I've never seen anything else or heard of anything else. I'm going to watch it on its own. It shouldn't be part of a package. We're all getting brainwashed about this series of things. All I was saying is it's, it's a prequel to I know, but, it should, but you shouldn't think of it that way. If you're just is. a first-time watcher of it, though. And so when you're watching it without all that other stuff in your mind, if you've never seen or heard of any of it, that's where I'm coming at. It's a movie I'm just watching. I sat down to watch it and okay, it's got some you know, the thing is the journey from point A to point B and lots of struggle in between and I'm not sure what this segment is hard for me to define. It's the birth of this journey. What, you know, I've read the and book. And it should be a whole journey. That's right, my but obviously it's not. So I've I've read the book The Hobbit and I know the whole outcome <laughs> and this is essentially a third of the book um and it's the most boring part of the book um to you in my opinion like it gets really good at the end of this movie like thinking of the book the end shot of this movie is where i started to enjoy the book and i couldn't put the book down anymore so with that being said uh, Lord of the Rings. But as a movie is what we're talking about. Which well, that being said, we're going to get onto the movie. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. So what did we think? Let's just preface this. We, we saw this theatrically also. Uh, we didn't never saw this 48 frames per second version that, that people have talked about. Um, obviously, Blu-ray, etc. cannot handle that. You'd need some newfangled television. So we just see it in 24 frames a second. So, um, Sid Talk, what do you think of the... And that's ho- fine with me. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. I enjoy the world of it. You know, I've always enjoyed going... I love period things and created fantasy worlds. I'm not a big, huge fan of it. Like, deep in... I'm not like... You know, some people love fantasy worlds and just, like, 
You don't want to dress up as a wizard and run around. Not just that, but I mean, in terms of stories, I don't need every story to be some massive fantasy that's based on everything magical or whatever. I don't need that. But I do enjoy it because it's like super creative to me. You know, characters that are like magical or um, what were those guys called? Like um, under the trolls and stuff like that. I love seeing that come to life in a movie. So do I. The thing is, however... I have a really hard time with this particular... I mean, I enjoy it overall, kind of. But I didn't understand uh, who all the dwarves were. Dwarves. I didn't get their individual personalities. I don't know who's what, really. I don't care about them hardly, except as a group and the thought of them being you know, cast out of their homeland and now wanting to take it over. That, I get behind that. But I want it... I, you know, I like the characters. I like the Hobbit guy. Obviously. What's his name? <laughs> you know. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins. Yes. I like him. Obviously, he's just sort of a cutesy, the moral guy of the whole. He's the chain. You know, he links everybody together or whatever. A little bit weak, but very strong and all that kind of stuff. This Funny, is an but... expert's guide to the Hobbit, by the way. <laughs> What's his name? The main guy. <laughs> the main guy and then the wizard guy. Yeah. Who later is... Guy with a hat. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so... I enjoyed it, but I was questioning things all a lot. I got a little bit bored a lot because I felt like certain long sequences were just, I don't even get what the point of this is. Like the whole dinner scene, all I I could feel was, oh, I'm supposed to have read this fucking book and now I'm supposed to be going, oh, and look at him and look at him. Would you say, did you just make this? I uh, did. Yeah. Would you say um, (laughs) it's got Hunger Games syndrome? Yes, absolutely. My my theory on Hunger Games is you have to be have read and loved the books immensely to completely and thoroughly enjoy, enjoy the, the movies. Movie, yeah. I think that I agree is bullshit. And in the world today, everybody seems to be wanting to cross-pollinate everything. Oh, well, you've read the books and now you're going to see the movies and blah, blah, blah. And you're, it's one big thing. No, I'm a movie person. I'm not a book person. So if you're making a book into a movie i have no problem with what you do to it or what you change about it or what you leave out or what you add i don't give a shit because i didn't read the book make a really awesome movie that every single word every scene every visual has meaning in the movie and tells me the story so that by the end of it i'm fully into it either i love or hate the characters i get their motivation i'm rooting for them and i'm you know, I'm afraid of certain people and I'm not. But in this, it's really hard because there's that hidden layer of, oh, you should have read the book. No, I have to say, I think I enjoyed The Hobbit more than you in a way. Um, just maybe because I read the book. I don't know. And it is a, f- a fond memory reading that book when I was a child. I mean, it, it really is. A, it, it really resonated with me. Yeah, and you this have a and collective memory. Narnia is another well. one that resonated with me. But Narnia? I think those movies were very well done. Yes, I don't Narnia, think you need to have read the book. I was behind it completely. Yeah. I had no problem understanding the characters, the But I think the, the tale, I think the tale of Narnia is a little bit more simplistic than Tolkien's stuff. I think Tolkien's stuff is... A lot of people you have to know, and oh, I find Narnia really complicated because it's political and people are taking over, and it's like who's dominating the whole land, and I think it's complex. Mm. So the ho- this the Hobbit, the the f- first movie. Now, during the production of this, Guillermo Guillermo del Toro was supposed to be the director, and then he dropped out due to having to do other things, and Peter Jackson stepped in. Now, at that point, I was like. 
excited that Guillermo del Toro was going to make this movie because he's the guy who made Hellboy and I really like his mm-hmm. vision. And I was excited that Peter Jackson wasn't making this movie because because of the original three movies, the problem I have with those, and I do like them, I think they're really fun, but I think Peter Jackson's a bit self-indulgent and a bit too long-winded with and things. And blinded by, what, by his understanding of the individual things to not be able to tell the story more directly. Yeah, and so, I think yeah. he's a bit long-winded i think I, you know <laughs> you i'm not i've not got a short attention span but like he falls in love with part something and then he just he just pull he makes that yeah. as long and as those extended can. cuts of the lord of the rings they <laughs> require some patience to sit through and i'm not a you know i can watch long movies but they feel long because yeah yeah he, he can't let that scene go he like it goes and goes and goes and goes and he does that in the hobbit and it's very um pronounced by the scene at the beginning in the house which lasts about 30 minutes and it doesn't really tell you a lot it ends in a musical number which kind of i know this the hobbit's more children like than the lord of the rings trilogy and that's how the book was it was more designed as a children's story and i get the song and but it you know it tries your patience a bit like like I sit there because going, the use of time of the words that the character I mean it's a movie and they're telling a story and you're getting to know people so the words every character uses and and you know verbalizes and the actions and the interactions between each other is supposed to explain to you who everybody is there's a lot of people in this scene however we've seen other movies with lots of characters and you get a very distinct some may call it trite yeah, I'm way not, of describing people, not, but I'm I was craving a little bit of like, oh, what, why, why is that guy special, and why are we zooming in on this guy, and what's that guy's story, and what's that, why is that guy special, and is he the, is he the fix-it guy? And the dinner he, scene at the beginning does try and say, well, this hob, this um, dwarf eats a lot, and this dwarf is very powerful, but I didn't get that at all. Well, it does because there's remember when the yeah, one but of them, I didn't get that. But you do get it watching it because like it keeps saying. Oh, if you leave the wheel of cheese out, he's going to eat the no, whole I thing. No, I didn't. I didn't get that that means anything. I'm just like, oh, he's going to eat a lot of cheese. It d- told me nothing about that right, character. Right, well... But you filled in the cracks because you'd read it. Right, but what I'm saying is they do try, but, as you say, there's a lot of dwarves to cover. Now, it's not like in the first movie where you've got the hobbits and they're very clearly... This is... Mm-hmm. This is um, Frodo... You know, it's very clear, like, and, and you know which one you like, or which one you like best. The two ornery ones, and Sam is this way. Yeah, it's yeah. fairly clear immediately when they're playing in the Shire, and Gandalf, you know, the very beginning, it's very clear, oh, I really like Frodo, or I really like Because the dialogue Samwise. tells you who they are, their yeah. reactions to things are very clear. Now, in this movie, The Hobbit, because I've read the book, I know which dwarves I like, because they're the ones I liked in the book. But you know what the problem is? I don't know which ones they are in the movie. And I know all the dwarves because I've read the book. But then I'm like, where's my guy who eats a lot? I don't know which one he is. Like, I can't. So my problem with this, and is because this is going to be three films, they're going to character development. They're going into the character development of the dwarves throughout the whole nine hours of the movie, right? Because I see it as one movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't work as a singular movie that you have to wait for the next installment yeah. for. Yeah, and in that 30-minute scene, you could have established very clearly 
everybody's personality. With yeah. one line of dialogue, one interaction with another person, one behavior, one facial expression. But it was all kind of like shoved together. And like you said, overindulgent in the atmosphere and the... I don't know, it was muddied up to me. So, like, so I see them coming out of the movie, seeing the whole thing. There's this big ball of dwarves <laughs> yes. with arms and legs sticking out that I don't know which... I don't... I can't tell you one of the names. It's, it's unfortunate, but I can't. Like, it, it, it wasn't explained. And it... Yes, you were supposed to have known. Yeah, and you're supposed to care about right. them, which is really now, hard. Now, I do care about them. And this is the thing I'm going to say. As the movie progressed and we got out and the journey, the unexpected journey starts, and I have to say that Martin Freeman is, is, is fantastic. I, I really... I think he's perfect casting. You know, I like him anyway, but I think he's perfect casting. You know, it's perfect. Um, I get all the emotion from him. The trepidation, the slight heroism, you know, heroics. Mm -hmm. Accidental heroism. Yeah, I get it. And he really pulls it off well. And I start to like like the movie more as the journey goes on. Um, And it gets exciting. And then, then they stop. The movie stops. In places. Like, oh, look, here's Rivendale. Where the... Yeah. Like, like remember, the, like, to the audience, here's the, here's the big shot of Rivendell. Remember this place from the other movies? You do, don't you? That's cool, isn't it? See that over there? That's cool. You've seen that before. And then here's some people you've seen before. Here's Kate, Win- uh, Kate Blanchett. It felt like it just ground to a halt to me. Like, because what you're supposed to be feeling is, oh, Bilbo Baggins, that guy. Right. Has done never, this whole journey, right? And I, we didn't, you never realize that. I mean, in Lord of the Rings, he does end up there, but you're supposed to now be going on his journey. The problem that you said is he's going on the same journey that we've already seen, and he's got the fresh set of eyes on the journey where we're like, oh, this journey again. Like that's yeah. how it feels to me. Like uh, I've seen this journey before. I know Bilbo's not, but I have, so this isn't surprising. It's I've seen this whole shot. I've and seen. They don't it. add anything. <laughs> Right, but they do, they do add some things um, along the way that we've never seen. Like, you know, I don't want to give some yeah. stuff away, but there, there are interesting things along the way. I just feel like it's there's a lot of fan service and there's a lot of meandering stuff where, personally, I was a little bored too. Um, but that being said, as a whole thing, and hopefully the other two pieces as well that fit onto this. I see the epic scale and how well it's actually done. I mean, Gollum in this is unbelievable. And it's amazing. Yeah, I mean... And better to me. Gollum was one of my favorite parts. And I hated Gollum in all the other movies. Right. Hated. I hated watching him. I hated the, listening to the him. The scene of him... The scene with him and Bilbo in the cave. And it's, and it's a long scene. Yep. But it doesn't feel like a long scene. But it is a pretty long scene of dialogue between them. And everything that... He's that nuanced Gollum so much does, better. Yeah, when he's you know yep. cowering or he's being scary, the whole thing is—it's just an amazing Andy Serkis doing that. But the the motion capture is better. The whole thing is better. Um, so I see the greatness of it, but I like you said, I feel like you need all of it, all nine hours of it, and then you might be like, "Holy shit, this is great!" But when you portion them up like this, how about maybe you need all eighteen hours of it? Right, it could be. You know what I mean? Like, you need the whole of it to really... But imagine. Holy shit. It'd be an epic 
old. Wake up one morning at like 7 a.m. like, this is it, we're watching I mean, we've it done the extended editions of Lord <laughs> yeah. of the Rings marathon. We did that one day. And that was a long day of watching Lord of the Rings, you know? You feel Lord of the Rings don't Unfortunately, when... that made us... It chipped away at the the love of it, remember? Just After a little you watch bit. it again, you're like, oh, that looks kind of crappy. And oh, yeah. that's kind of long. And But in the beginning, you're like, oh, but this time, it's the opposite. The more I think about it, I find things I liked. But when I was watching it, I was like, oh. oh and there are I some great... Love there's some great things in this oh, really The birds. The yes. obviously Gollum. Mountains, the actual journey, you know, the underground journey part, it's all really fun and exciting once the once it gets going. But then what I felt like when I got to the end of this movie, I did want more. You know, when it shows you the scene at the, mm-hmm. the end scene, the, and then you know where they're going. I mean, you know, you can see that it's within reach now. I wanted more at that point. Like, it is a weird movie for me because there was times where I was like, I wish this would end now. I'm kind of had enough. Yeah. But then at the end, I was like, no, I would. I want another right, one. Right, but my, my problem was when I got to that, I was like, okay, what have I learned about this story to go forward on to, like, actually you know, them now being able to obtain maybe their homeland right again? What have I, what have I gathered from the last two and a half hours of my life of this movie? Uh, Bilbo Baggins is what he is. Gandalf is here. These guys are determined. The bad guy was kind of a dickhead. This is what happened. This is is why we're going to... But I've just watched two and a half hours of a story. And I I don't know these characters very well. I know Bilbo Baggins. I know Gandalf. But I only know Gandalf from other movies. And this one, he's And you only know Bilbo Baggins from other movies, really. No, I know him You know the old version. No, I know him more now. By the end of this movie, I know him well. I don't know his compadres very well because I haven't figured out them individually. So I've got to root for them as a team instead of individuals. The bad guy was the bad guy because he was creepy and he was malicious and that's fine. But I don't feel the threat. I don't feel the threat of the spooky black guy. The smoky guy who's going to apparently... I don't know. See, that was nothing to me. And I was like, oh, that doesn't scare me. So what have I What have I accomplished here? I feel like it was like looking down at a map and going, well, that was a long journey. But it's actually one inch and I've gained nothing. And you're going And the trouble is... In the next movie, you're gonna gain a lot. Like, like the next, right? The and next part is awesome. Like, and it the really opportunity is. to have built up little bits of that was is like to me lost. And that's where I th- that's where I sometimes find like when you have this, this wasn't going to be a trilogy originally. It was going to be two movies. Um, I think that would be much different because it would have ended at a different point, right? If they were only going to do two, it probably wouldn't have been as long. This one. Well, it might have been as long, but it would include mm-hmm. half of what is to come in the next one. Which I think might have made it better, because there are some amazing things just about to happen as this Because what's ends. the climax of this movie? And what's the point of the climax? The point, there's a couple of The climax of, of this movie isn't really a climax, no, is it? there's no... It's, there's a, no, it's a dull section. Like, there's no huge obstacle to overcome, no. except a bad guy that needs to be thwarted. But doing that doesn't forward you in the story, it just sort of... It's like this. You take, like, your fingers, like, flick away the bad guy. Okay, we got him out of the way. Now let's keep going. And it's like you hit chapter 10 of the book and then put the book down. And you're not allowed to pick it back up for a year. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Like, leave that on the table till next November. All right, get on with your life now. It's like the last episode of a season of Lost. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Or Walking Dead, where you feel like, 
anything where you're where you're into it, and then the you thing. go, oh shit, it's not a new idea. No. Cliffhangers, and it's not, but it is. But like you say, it's not really a cliffhanger because it's quite clear what's going what is going to. I mean, it's not like oh my god, they're all going to fall off a cliff. <laughs> Find out next year. It's not like that. It's more like. We've well, here's to... what I thought. Oh, there's their homeland. They're going to win it in the next one. That's what I thought. And it's going to be a big adventure, and that's it. So there's lots of triumph going on in Lord of the Rings world. So, like, bad, but lots of triumph well, moments. I, I, what I respect is, I, even though Peter Jackson is a bit self-indulgent on this stuff. It brings lots of details, which I think is good. He, I actually think he makes them really well. I mean, the the quality yeah it's some of the special effects got me i had to divert my eyes a little bit just like in the other three but i don't think it was nowhere near as oh the other three they look a bit dated now don't they um just because there are some rubber ragdoll kind of they didn't get it right and the scale of the hobbits was really bad this time they did it right this time they did it right yeah um which makes me wonder if you do watch this as a whole nine uh, six movie thing that it will they were so jarring. Like. That sounds familiar. Who who else bitches about this particular phenomenon? Oh yeah, Star Wars episodes one, two, three. You know what? Star Wars episodes I, four, five, six. I yeah, with Star Wars though, I like the older ones in terms of the special effects and everything better. I feel I like them better. I am, um, you know. Well, that's emotional. <laughs> it is, but I like. I, I, you know. Let's be very honest. Well, they're so clear. good for the day. Like they're better than Absolutely. the Hobbit is. Blood, sweat, and tears going to those day. physical models, man. Yeah, they're all physical models, and you, you can't really tell. It, Did Adam were... Savage work on Star Wars movies? On the new ones, yeah. New ones, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's, he's, you know... He made... Physical props and, props and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, Sidebar. <laughs> so the Hob... Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I want to enjoy Kavinsa. it more. Yeah, it's... I think I'll enjoy it more, and I said to you when we came out of the cinema... I have to digest this a bit, but I think I'll enjoy it more when I see all of it. And you said, well, that's that's not how it should be. And I'm Correct. like, I agree with that. But then I, my inside voice is like, well, you're going to get the rest of it in the next year or so, two years. And then it might be a masterpiece, like when you've seen the whole thing. It won't be. Well, I don't know. It, it, you can't have a masterpiece I know what's if com- part of it is what it is. You can't, you can't improve that first third... By making the other two thirds amazing, I think you can. You cannot because it is what it is. Because it's I don't really like. I mean, I I like the new Star the three, right? The what? The new Star Wars movies, Phantom mm-hmm. Menace. Yeah, I like those. The first one, it's kind of a bit meandering for me, but that third one is fantastic. I think the third one is fantastic. And the third one changed my opinion of the whole thing. I like it all more because of the third one. Yeah, but that's shallow. <laughs> well, no. Because it doesn't change the first one. When I saw the first one for the first time, I was like, okay, it's it's okay. Like, I, I'm but not... But what didn't you like about it? I, it's... The, the, the journey's a bit too, like, slow like this, maybe. Like, like we're obvi- we know what we're building up to. We know what we're building up to. Then the second and the third one. We don't know. Well, we do know. When we go and watch Star Wars. I don't know. I mean, we've seen. When I watch Phantom Menace, I have no idea what's going to happen. I only know then. Well, you don't, but you're not a massive fan of Star Wars. Exactly. So I don't know. So no. All right. So I did know. That's what I'm saying. You only know that Luke Skywalker is going to exist in the future. That's all you know. I know that 
Anakin <laughs> is going to be Darth Vader. Right. That's that. That is what I'm talking about. And okay. you knew that. Yeah, but that wasn't the objective of the whole movie. Right, but how the how well it was done in that third movie and it, and the second movie as well. But how well it was done and how shocking it actually what became makes me like the whole more. So I think this could happen in this because I know what's coming too. Right, but you still can't explain. It doesn't change the first one. It might though. It does. It can't because it no, it can it because I with Phantom Menace. I like Phantom Menace a lot more because right, but it doesn't change the moments that you're bored. It doesn't change the long scene. It doesn't change the fact that it doesn't explain the characters. No, and and you're there just is filling in stuff in November. Brain. Apparently, there's an extended edition of The Hobbit coming also. So oh my are, god, <laughs> and this is two hours and forty five minutes. But there's oh, and I don't mind time either. I could watch a five hour movie. Right. I'm happy with that. It's just that. If I'm not getting much, either visually or emotionally or intellectually or even just spectacular, like with Resident Evil, like it's empty, completely empty yeah, to me. Absolutely. It offers me nothing. And yet, visually and just the concepts of it coming at me, I get a little bit bored with the long fight scenes too, but I'm still stimulated. Da, 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 da. We're going, we're moving, we're moving. And, you know, I'm happy with the length. I'm happy with the mostly overall. But in this one, I'm like, I just need more. And two great movies after it aren't going to fix that. They're only going to be better because they're better. So I liked it more than you, I think. This movie. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I... You fill it in with what you know already. And I liked The Hunger Games more than you, too. Because, but, personally, The Hunger Games movie and the book, there is no comparison. The book is amazing and the movie is Okay. Like, that's how I see it. You know, the movie's just like this kind of watered-down version of the book. Like, right. you know, bits are missing. It's a little bit um, too, like, played to, you know, love story and teens. And it's too, a bit too that. Um, so the book's superior, in my eyes. Um, and the books are superior to the movies and the J.R. Tolkien stuff, too. You know, they they are really good. They're you know very... my opinion of this comparison thing, so I'm keeping silent. Well, I just think they are. They're, they're just super they're detailed separate. books. Yeah, but the thing is, they're super detailed books that we've all read as kids. Um, minus you. And the movie is the movie. I don't know how you missed out I on don't them as read a, kid. a lot, and I don't read as well. As a kid, though. I don't read... I never read well. I mean, I read well, but I don't read... Yeah, but they didn't give them you at school and say, read these, or... Not that I remember. I didn't do well in school. So, probably, someone probably tried to make me read it, and I didn't. Hmm. Honestly. Even in college, I didn't read much. <laughs> so, I see the, you know, it's a super detailed story. The Hobbit and Lord of the... Well, The Hobbit, no. It's quite, actually a quite a short book. You could read the book in a day. Like, it's pretty short. Like I say, it's aimed at children. It's shorter than the Lord of the Rings books. But, they're so detailed and lavish, and Peter Jackson you know, makes three, four-hour movies out of them, which could also be super detailed and lavish, but they're not as much, still. Like, I still... always oh, added parts to this movie, too, that are not in the books. You know, the um, the dude on the sleigh with the rabbits dragging him along? Yeah. That guy does not exist in the book. Ah. Um, and so that's a whole new thing. I kind of liked it when I was watching it because but it was a surprise. How, as you describe these things... It's like you do not under you don't really understand what I'm talking about. How how why can't you just because I know nothing, 
right? So well, yeah, you've book said means that. right. No, but same as Resident Evil. You know nothing, but you still right. But you always keep your brain is still filling in things, and you just said that even added something good because it wasn't in the book. Well, that shouldn't exist. Like that feeling. Generally, that I'd thought. hate that though. Like to add something that wasn't. But there. you're still doing it. There should be none of that because it's a movie. Yeah, but I can't telling not. a story. I know, but it's that's why they fall short for me. Because I don't have all that little information to fill in the gaps. It doesn't make sense to tell a story to people and know that you're leaving out stuff because these other people have read the story in a different way. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I lose a lot. Unless the story is told so well. I mean, um, the other one. Not Hunger Games, but the other one. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Totally, I was 100% behind it. I understood everything, everybody, all the nuances of it. I didn't feel like I was missing anything. I was totally there. Because the movie was made in a way that wasn't saying, oh, well, we're going to skip to here because you've already read that part. And we're going to skip to this. And you're going to compare it. And you're going to do the... None of that had to exist. So I got it. So um, let's move on to the cast here. Um, Ian McKellen reprises his role as Gandalf. None, yeah. shall, none shall pass. Um, he, he, he plays Gandalf again. And he plays it very well. I, I always thought he was one of the best parts of the movie. Do you like him? Uh, yeah. I mean, it gets a little generic for me after a while, unfortunately. But I like. I think because you've for. already seen him. No, we always did. I'd always right. got a little bit, you know. I'm thinking, wizard, you need to be spectacular all the time. And of course, he's more wise than he is spectacular a lot. <laughs> so I want more spectacle from wizard. And wizard then the man. best bit of casting in the movie is Martin Freeman as Bilbo. I think it's fantastic. It makes the movie way much better. He's he's um he's a good actor. I really like him. If you've not seen Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which also stars Martin Freeman, you should. It's underrated, I think. Obviously a very beloved book, and they made a movie of it, and everybody went, oh, that movie's garbage, the book's better. No, I think it was a good movie. It was really fun. They captured all the beats of the book, the main parts. Still doing it, though. Capturing all the parts. I've never read that book. Yeah, but it's, <laughs> what I'm saying is it's not one of those... You watched it, Jack. Yeah, I enjoyed and you it. Didn't, you didn't go, oh my god, I don't get all this because I didn't read Some it. Some of it I didn't get. But, it, but what I'm saying is they did it. They did everything. They covered the book. They didn't leave bits out. They didn't skip ahead. They just did the whole thing. It's a really good movie. Um, and I think it was underrated. I don't think people saw it. Um, and Martin Freeman, again, really good performance. Um... So but it's kind of always the same too. So don't don't leave that part out. It's not like he's being yeah. A but even though he's the same, he's the he's almost perfect for Bilbo. Right, but that isn't a stretch for him. So let's not say he's like super high quality. He's just doing a lot of the same, even a lot of the same things he did in the office. The little stunned look on his face and the and the lack of confidence sometimes, and then you know. But I do like him as he is. Um, we got Kate Blanchett. As Gadriel, she's it's a small role. She's back if you like her. I mean, it's really small. Andy Serkis plays Gollum, second best performance in the movie. In the movie, even though you don't see Andy Serkis, I mean, it's a motion capture thing. But you know, he's put it there. You can even they... see his face yeah. in Gollum, and that, that was something I was surprised because I've seen Andy Serkis a lot interviews. I was looking at Gollum, and I was like, yes, the face is modelled on Andy Serkis. He always was though. Yeah, but I think more so now because it seems more detailed. More detailed detail for sure. There's a lot more translucent skin. So when the light's shining on him and it's look, I could see it just looked like a better... You know when you see a video game from five years ago and then you see a new video game and you're like, wow, the graphics got better. Not so much, but... 
I but you do. Saying. Like, you see Gears of War 1 and then you see Gears of War 4 and you go, wow, I can see the difference. They, the technology evolved. That's what happens in video games. That's what happens in movies for CG. And I can see it in this Gollum character. It's, it's, it feels like it's a real thing. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got Sylvester McCoy as uh, Radagast. Now, Radagast is the character who sits mm-hmm. on the sleigh. And Sylvester McCoy happens to be a Doctor Who, which is awesome. So He's that, a Doctor Who? Yeah, he's like the sixth Doctor. He's the He's one of the Doctor Who's. So you can't tell it's Sylvester McCoy almost because he's so much makeup. But um there is a Doctor Who in this movie if you're a Doctor Who fan. Uh Hugo Weaving returns as Elrond. I love Hugo Weaving, uh, since the Matrix. You know, if, every time I think of Hugo Weaving, I think of the scene in The Matrix where he te- gets the sweat off Morpheus and sniffs it, and he's kind of disgusted Ugh, by it. Humans. It's my favorite scene, like in the whole. In the whole... That's my favorite scene of him. You know, I hated the last the part of the last Matrix where they got the big huge fight, and there's a bunches of him. But that where he's telling you how disgusting humans yeah. are, and how he just wants to get the stink off of him and stuff. I was like, I liked the speech, maybe. Yeah, it's and the that speech, made him like him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he appears. Small role again. Elijah Wood reprises his role. For half small, a second. <laughs> yeah, just at the beginning. But it's nice to bridge it. Like, you know, if you have... It is nice, I think. That, that you know, you see... What? Nothing. I don't like the bridging shit. It's a movie. It should seem No, I thought own. it was nice that <laughs> that it they clip together like that. I like that. Um, and then it this is... stand on its own. This is obviously directed by Peter Jackson, who also directed King Kong... I actually really like King Kong. I think that's an underrated movie. All I hear is hate, hate, hate. I didn't love it, no. I, I did not even... I do like it. I, I feel like it was not. a good adventure. Good adventure, but I didn't... You know why? I don't I don't even know why. A lot. Of, I just watched it again, but I didn't really in, overall enjoy it that much. I, I, I felt... It, like Jurassic Park's an adventure. Yeah. King Kong comes across to me like that. Like, I really am on this thing, and it... You know, again, Peter Jackson goes long-winded with it and bogs it down a little bit in the middle. He's I do quite agree. Quite romantic. Yeah, but I do agree with like you know he makes the movie three and a half hours and the middle part kind of chugs the love story bit. Oh yeah. And then it gets really good again when he when he, King Kong gets back to you know America. But I do like it as a movie, and all I hear is hate. Oh, I hate that King Kong. It's garbage. You know, I just hear that all the time. But no, I don't don't agree with that at all. Um, he also made The Frighteners, which is a, I think it's a really I've underrated movie. You really need, <laughs> you really need to see it. Thank you. The Frighteners, the, the ghost is up your nose. That's it. Three in a row, that's it. So The Frighteners is, um, you know, um, what's he called? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. And it was Peter Jackson's first big Hollywood movie. It's a special effects extravaganza about ghosts. It's really fun. It's not like horrific like his old movies. It's more ghostbusterish. It's not like I see dead people. It's not like I see dead people kind of grossness. No, it's um like Ghostbusters really. Mm. It's real fun like, but it, yes, there's a bit of horrificness, yeah. but it, it's not not overly like bad taste. One of his other movies, his very first movie, bad taste. which is we very... called Dead Alive. No, bad taste is the other one with the oh, aliens. Oh, that's right. It's really gruesome. It's very low budget, but it's the beginning of his career. I. You should watch it if you like horror movies. I wouldn't say that they go together, but um, and Brain Dead, aka Dead Alive, is his 
mid-career where he was still making horror movies, very gory horror movies. It was before he became Hollywood. You're forgetting one that you love the most. I am forgetting one that I love the Heavenly most. Heavenly Creatures. Heavenly Creatures, which is his, one of his like award-winning type movies. Mm-hmm. Like different, like a drama, you know? Kate Winslet. Meet the Feebles, his puppet movie. These movies nobody has ever seen. I've seen every Peter Jackson film. I've been a fan since. But they don't taste. really go together. When you think about it's his really career. weird, isn't it? His career. It's, and, then it's he, weird... and then somebody handed him a third of a billion dollars. Yeah. After that body of work we just described, that's it. That was it. Frighteners, Dead Alive, Bad Taste, Heavenly Creatures. Boom. We're gonna give you three hundred and thirty million dollars to make one of the most beloved books into movies. And then twenty years of his life's gonna be involved in these movies. Yeah. He hasn't made anything in the interim King except Kong. King Kong. Yeah. Um, and something else, which I didn't see. There was another one. He made a movie and it was Oscar nominated. Um, mm. It was a drama. I never actually got to see it. I can't remember what it was called. It's really blanking on it. Uh, so, yeah, Peter Jackson's had a very weird career, in my opinion. Like, because you don't see a horror. And he was a horror director. That's what he was. You don't see him, somebody like that, become so renowned like dear as not being a horror director. You know? What was it called? Uh, there's one west of Memphis. No. The Adventures of Tintin was well, a producer. Oh, no. We want director, don't we? Okay. A director. So um, we Crossing just Crossing look- the Line was a short. The Lovely Bones... Lovely Bones is the one that was Oscar-nominated. Okay. The Lovely Bones. Yeah. Well, I didn't see it. Maybe... It's probably on Netflix. We should see it. And so, literally before that, he's only, he'd only made, before he did Lord of the Rings, there were like six things, yeah. seven things. And like really low-budget, corny um, yeah. horror movies before he actually... It's, it's a strange career, really. Um, so, Blu-ray extras on The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, um, are... There's only one extra, and it's it's a, ten featurettes, and they're all bundled together. And it's Peter Jackson's On the Set... Um, featurettes um, so what they are is and this is interesting they are already been available for like a year if you go to thehobbit.com they're there they're the production diaries and Peter Jackson was posting them every month like one a month during the production of The Hobbit each one deals with a different subject one deals with 3D filming in 3D one deals with like costume design so they are available on the web anybody can see them but still. they are, yeah, they're still there. And they are compiled onto this Blu-ray. But that is the only feature you're going to get. Now, there is another feature that you get access to if you buy this Blu-ray. And it's a live worldwide sneak peek hosted by Peter Jackson of the second Hobbit, which is called The Desolation of Smog. So, on the 24th of March, at 3pm Eastern, if you have this Blu-ray you can go and see a trailer, which nobody else will be able to see. It's the only way of seeing it. Um, Are you going to do it? And Peter Jackson will... Yeah, I'm going to actually look at it, because Peter Jackson's actually doing a live question and answer thing, so be interesting to see. Um, but that is it for extras. This is pretty bare bones. As I said earlier, there's going to be an extended edition of this movie in November on Blu-ray. Which I'm assuming will be full of extras like the original, you know, extended versions were. What more can you tell people, though? Really? Well, there'll be a full Here are the prosthetics that we use. Here's how long we wait to do a shoot. Here's how we grew the Shire. Here's how we made the CG background. 
here's the music. Here's the They'll be doing all that. Yeah. yeah, so what else can they tell you, though? production design. Yeah, but there's nothing new to tell us about making these types of movies, really. No, but... People who are really big fans of these movies who are the ones who will buy that extended cut. Wait, but look, talking every... to me, what else do I need to know? Maybe you not no don't need to know, but the fans want every single chunk of information they possibly. I know. Can. I'm saying, what else is there to tell? They want them? all the costume designs. They want. Production I know, but what photos. else is there? We already know how they do all the costumes. Yeah, but we've movies. not got the photographs of this one. We've not. If I've got <laughs> the collector's editions of the original Lord of the Rings downstairs, there's. Hundreds of hours worth of stuff on them. They're hundreds? Hundreds of hours. Like, amongst the three. There's, like, ev- this, this photo galleries that go on for, like, six hours with music. There's, com- like, seven commentaries on the first one. There's, they're, they're, they're so packed. Every single facet of the entire production is covered. I'm assuming that this extended edition of The Hobbit will be in that. I mean, why not? They'll do the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I just want to be to you to be aware. There is going to be an extended version. If you're a super big fan, maybe this one is not for you, maybe, but you probably get it anyway. But there, there is a super deluxe version coming down the line, which is going to have an extended version of the movie, which is probably going to be half an hour longer than we've seen. So, and, interestingly enough, the longer version of The Hobbit not The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, the first one, actually made it a better movie. Yep. It added and, information and to the story that yeah. you didn't know. Some really good information. Mm-hmm. So the longer version of this might make it better too. If we get more details about the, the individual dwarfs. characters. If they've yeah. cut that dwarf, um, if they've cut a lot of that dwarf character progression out of the, of the theatrical and it's all added back in. Yeah. This could be a different story when we see the extended version. Like, introduce each one of them, show me his traits, give me his personality, move on if to the If that's next the one. stuff that the extended version is going to cover, it will make it a better movie, Definitely. I guarantee you. So, um, in conclusion, on The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Was it an unexpected journey for you? Or was it an expected journey? Expected. <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was an expected journey for me, obviously, because I know the... I, what I do like is how Peter Jackson puts these stories together on the screen. I, th- I think he does it justice, you know? Yeah. But then not... But does he? If we're saying that it's not great, he doesn't do it justice. Well, I don't think it's not great. I think it's... You thought this was a great movie? I think it's very entertaining. You don't think it's great? No, I think it's actually not comparing it to anything else. Yeah, you are. But it's no, not great. I'm, I'm saying I'm not comparing it to anything else. If it's just this movie, I'm yeah. saying, I'm saying it's better than average for me, like like a seven. That is not great. Right. <laughs> great is great. But it's not ter- it's not garbage either. Like. But it's not great. No, that's all I'm saying. See that Resident Evil we just watched? I give that like a five. Mm-hmm. Maybe less. Not great. Yeah, just take it or leave it. Fun, not 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 even fully good. Just really fun. No. Fun, funnish. Yeah, there's <laughs> something about it that's fun, like, and I don't know what it is. It's probably her, Miliovic. She's probably that's it. And the concept, you yeah. know, the concept of the Hobbit is fantastic. The concept of Resident Evil. These things are big ideas that you want to just like, you want to get flooded visually and like thinking wise in these movies. And then when it comes, when that that part starts going down and the concept is still way up here, you're like, but you got so much potential. <laughs> Why don't you just do everything right? So uh, thanks to Warner for the Blu-ray. Um, I'm looking forward to actually seeing an extended version of this, funnily enough. After all I've just said, 
now when I think about it, I am looking forward to that. So we'll probably look at that in November. Um, so next week's Blu-ray review will be Life of Pi. Good. Which was the winner of Best Director for this that year. That should stimulate my mind and my eyes. The winner of Best Director... No, not... Yeah, that's what it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 11 Academy Award nominations. So, yeah, Life of Pi next It won, week. like, four, didn't it? It did, but I guess they printed that sticker before... The Academy Awards. The Academy Awards. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll be looking at Life of Pi. I bet there's Pi. some on the shelf right now with a different sticker. Winner of Best Director and etc. But we got the early version. So, Life of Pi next week. If you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. We've got a few movies to win. Um... New movie game. Is it still called New Movie Game? Or is it just called Movie Year? <laughs> movie Year. We play a little game here called Movie Year at this point in the show. Yeah. Um, it's just for fun. There's no prizes involved. But you can play along at home. You can play the home game. <laughs> <laughs> you can just, you know, think of a few and challenge your friends and fr- friends and family. Right. It's called Movie Year. And if you can't figure out what it's about, one of us says a movie... And the other one has to guess the year. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no like, hey, I bet you'll never guess this. Although some of them are more challenging than you, you think you know when a movie comes out. And then when you realize, you're like, holy shit, that's 10 years different. Or like, no way. Was it that early? Was that, you know. So, so mine to you is based on, not based on The Hobbit, based on the other movie we watched, Resident Evil Retribution. When was the original Resident Evil movie released? That's a good question. 2002. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I just envision it being about 10 years. It's pretty good for a franchise that's yeah like that. You know, like, yeah. you know what I mean? They've done pretty well out of that. So, yeah. So, I win a point. Yes. Yours is Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party. Now, this is Tom Hanks in the early days. Yes. Really horrific. Kind of, a, not a horror movie. It's bad as in, it is like the wor- one of the best example of bad yes. movies that you can even think right. of. 1982. Is that your final answer? Yes. Close. Oh. 1984. Uh, I knew it was around the beginning there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember watching it. Everybody watched it. Do that you movie. realize how long ago that was? A long time. 29 years. That's almost 30 years ago. So Next oh, year will be the, the 30th anniversary. There will be a Blu-ray next year. <laughs> Tom Hanks will be so proud. Look, it's the He'll be on the, video, on the commentary. It's so bad. It's the kind of badness that it's inappropriate. It's politically incorrect. Is it like the hangover of today, isn't it? Something like that, where it's kind of raunchy and silly and... I've never seen any of the hangover movies, so right, I do not know. Right, but the... Or knocked up or something of that, like a adult kind of sex talk and, well, actual sex things yeah. in, in Bachelor Party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying, like... um um, American Tasteless, Pie, like an American Pie. T- I never seen. You haven't either. seen American, but you get the yeah. gist of it, right? People are going, "What? You've never watched <laughs> The Bachelor Party, and you've never watched American Pie? Like American, None P- of them. like American Pie. There's a dude having sex with a pie, which sounds really gross. That's what I but know. But it's about kind it. of done in the way Bachelor Pie is. It's not, it's not as graphic as you think it is in your mind. Whereas right. there's a donkey scene. It's not Bachelor. as graphic as you think either. Yeah. A donkey and drugs. Yeah, so it's kind of harmless, yet it's kind of raunchy, right? I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah. Animal House is another one. I don't think of that as being raunchy. It is in a way. Nah, it tickles you tickles you in a different way. Or than Porky's. Party. Porky's is right there at Bachelor Party. Yeah. 
there was a whole genre of those, wasn't they? Like it. Well, I guess they still are, right? Bachelor yeah. Party spawned that, basically. I mean, but yeah. his bachelor party is low class. And American Pie. Yeah. Just as stupid, like fart yeah, jokes it's and just turd as stupid, jokes. Yeah. And... yeah, exactly. That's, it's a good thing, to know it? that even 30 years later, we're still making <laughs> really. I'm not, pro- I don't have a problem with not having seen these, but I have seen Bachelor Party. I bet I watched Bachelor Party a hundred times, and I am not exaggerating. Because once back in the day, I don't know how HBO was now. It was on HBO now. a lot. If HBO got a hold of a movie, they just holy crap, it, every four hours sometimes, on the weekends particularly, you would get the same rotation of the same four or five movies. Not every four hours, it would be like... You get, the, I would say every 12 hours, you get the same rotation of movies. I think they do Six that hours. Now. Yeah. I don't know. In the evening. Like late night HBO, it's a lot of the same thing. Like this month on HBO. Steven and you Seagal is. That you knew that every night at 10 and 2 was going to be the bachelor party. Well, I know on HBO now, if you tune in, well, around, you know, those that really late hour, 2 till 6 a.m., you're going to see a Steven Seagal movie sure. or a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Oh. Really on HBO? They used to be the classics. No, really, the three. really, they're gonna, they're gonna be on there because they're favorites. Or a Rocky movie, or a, they're just movies that. There was can... something special. This is a side note. Now these days you can go on HBO to go, and you can go on the web, you can go on Netflix, you can go and see your what own. you want. Yeah. yeah, you can see anything you want anytime you want. You know, and that's awesome. I, I, I probably would have been a way fatter girl if I had had that option when I was a girl because I watch TV endlessly. But there was something special. About being served something that you didn't really ask for. That and the time. <laughs> like you're watching Bachelor Party. I've seen it 20 times. But I'm engaged with it. I'm sitting there eating my huge bowl of popcorn or half a pizza or whatever. Also contributing to the roundness of my behind as a girl. But then the movie's coming to an end. You know it's coming to an end. You go pee. You come back. You get comfy again. And then the movie. You watch the credits. And then the HBO thing comes on. Oh, yeah. Next on HBO. And it shows you, or this month on HBO, and it's still not telling you what's next. Because they didn't do the thing then. You didn't have pop-ups, you didn't no. have the little thing in the corner, nothing. You had to sit through all the credits, and the credits didn't shrink up with a thing on the side with people talking. It was like you sat through the entire credits, then it was like, this month on HBO. Blah, blah, blah. Then the HBO logo comes on, spinning or whatever it did, and it's like, our feature presentation. And you're like... Hmm, it went down that road. What could it... Yes. Yeah. And then then it turned it... Then later, it was like it went up the street with like a movie theater. Yep. But in the beginning, it was way more basic. You know, every few years, they changed it. And then there's like this... Then the movie, It didn't even tell you the name of the movie. It just says our feature presentation. Then... The movie logo Warner comes on. Warner Brothers or whatever. Yeah, you could guess and then, sometimes. You know, the 80s, I think, to me, is very notorious for the skyline opening of movies. Lots of movies open in the yeah. sky. Even now there are, yeah, there's a lot of them. But that opening thing starts to happen, and you're like, oh. And then they would, you know, something happens, and you're watching, and then it's like, da-da-da, and little thing. And then the name of the movie comes up, and you're like, oh, never heard of this one. It could be complete shit. Or it could be one that you've watched five minutes of two days ago because you turned it on at the end or something and then like I would always not watch the end of movies if I kind of figured out if you look at the clock you go oh this movie probably has 15 minutes left I'm not going to watch it but there was something about that like the you know I wasn't a channel flipper you know why because we didn't have a remote control we did not have a remote control on our television you had to get up and go change we had one with a wire that plugged into the TV when was it? When I was a kid, we did not have that. Which is bananas, isn't it? Like a wire. I, I remember it, it was makes a, sense, but yeah, it had a wire and you plugged it into the TV and it only had like about three buttons on it. Like yeah, but it, your game controller used to have a wire too. Yeah, but it was funny because like 
you couldn't buy this remote control again. There wasn't one. You couldn't go in the store and get another one. It was just with your TV. It came with your TV. So after about the 90th time of somebody walking across and pulling it out of the TV, <laughs> it wouldn't fit in properly anymore. So you could never have one again. Like, it was really hard to get one. Where would you get one There from? must not have been very many either. Like, there was no internet to go and look for one. You just were like, well, where do I get one of these? I guess you go back to Sears and you say, our thing isn't working and they'd have to get you Yeah, one. but ne- you never do that, do you? And then you never have one. It's oh weird. my God, we sound so old. All right, so movie recommendations this week. I am going for, on the subject of an adventure like The Hobbit. <coughs> Bachelor party. <laughs> and not going for, obviously, the other Lord of the Rings movies. Going for Willow. Yeah. Which is a great adventure. Um, and it's having its Blue anniversary. Ray. Yeah, I have it right there. We, we need to be... watch it then. Yeah, we're going to be looking at it soon. So it's in the queue to see. So Willow. Ugh, I'm a slave to your queue. <laughs> it's not out yet. I, You know. Um, and Time Bandits, which we watched yeah. just recently, which is a fantastic. Um... It's really fun. It's a little creepy and I wasn't, at times. I wasn't actually recommending movies with little people in. <laughs> or Warwick Davis. Is Warwick Davis in? No, yeah. he's not. Yeah, he's in both, isn't he? No, he's not. Kenny Baker's in Time Bandits. R2-D2. Warwick Davis isn't in Time Bandits. He's not. He's in Willow, though, yeah. He's in Willow, though. He's the star of Willow, actually. If you hadn't said what you said about little people, no one would have even thought about it. No, but I was thinking... So then you, are, got, you had, like, a guilty conscience. I think conscience people are reading my mind. They're going, he thought of Willow, then he thought of Time Bandits. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's you being paranoid. <laughs> and unnecessarily so. And uh, as you can see, I have no recommendations. Great. Uh, but I'm going to say, because I think I put it on the other. Yeah, bachelor. <laughs> no, mine are, when I said I'm not fully into fantasy and stuff, even though I, I love fantastical things, I, I'm, I'm all over it. Future, past, present, alternate universes, Star Trek, Star Wars. I love it all. Mostly. One of the, when I think of Lord of the Rings time frame and stuff, I don't know why, but I think of this movie, which has a special place in my heart, The Princess Bride. So that one, I'm totally there. Like, it's a fantasy movie. It's cute. It's funny. And Which it's I bought you for time. Christmas on Blu-ray. You did. I need to watch it. Holy shit. Okay. And I don't, I don't remember my other one. Oh, yes, I do. It has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about at all. But it is an animated show from, I don't know what network, FX? Yeah. Archer. Yes, it's Archer. And it's raunchy. And it's uh, politically incorrect a lot. It's just that I laugh my ass off, and uh, I wish, but uh, wouldn't that be great if laughing your ass you off was actually a probably if you ran plan. at the same time as laughing. I don't... Yeah, whatever. I will be sitting, watching <laughs> Archer, laughing, uh, and I just think it's really funny. It's got... I don't even know how to describe it. It is raunchy, though, so don't watch it with your kids, just because it's animation. It's inappropriate a lot. It's going to annoy you and offend you sometimes. Don't watch it in mixed company. Just watch it as you're on your own. And then decide if you want. I mean, I watch them over and over, and I just think it's funny. So, uh, games and Ace Scully stuff this week. The uh, first game I have been playing this week is StarCraft II Heart of the Swarm, which is the expansion pack for StarCraft II. You know when I said that StarCraft II requires um, always-on internet connection, kind of like the SimCity debacle? Mm-hmm. So I thought this week I'm not going to be able to play StarCraft II because it's going to be the servers are going to be dead. Perfectly fine the entire time. So that Great. so launches can go okay, and that sold millions of copies this week, and it worked flawlessly. So it does work <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it's the expansion pack to StarCraft Two. If you love StarCraft Two, you'll have already bought this. But it's the continuing the story of StarCraft Two. Who makes StarCraft? Blizzard. They are not EA. 
No. What is, What do you think of? No. Oh, think? Blizzard are owned by EA. Actually. Right. Interesting. Yes, they are. They were bought by EA. So yeah, it's Blizzard slash EA. Why do you think so many people are so devoted to their games? Um, World of Warcraft was like. What is it though? The first of its type. People got hooked on it. No, what is it though? What are they hooked on? What is it? I still don't know. It's hard to it's say. The experience, right? The yeah. experience of it. Well, it's hard to say because, like, they only make... Th- they've only got three properties, Blizzard. They're huge. Like, like one of the biggest game developers in the world, right? They make World of Warcraft, uh, which used to be Warcraft until it was World of Warcraft, but it was a game series called Warcraft first. They make Starcraft, which is... The original game, Warcraft, was an RTS game, and Starcraft is an RTS game, so it was the... I don't know what that means. Like a control units, tell them to go here, tell them to go there, mine stuff, that kind of thing. So Warcraft was that originally. And Blizzard thought, well, that's successful. Let's make a sci-fi version of that instead of a dungeon-type version of it. Sci-fi is in good outer space. In the outer space version. So Starcraft is a an RTS, but it's a outer space version. And then they also make Diablo, which is a dungeon crawler, point and click. So they only have those three franchises. Yet... They're humongous, like bigger than anything because, because of Because the they are selling an experience to people. And I think they see it from that point of view. They seem to have I, always I think it's built top that. quality. Yeah, um, they create a world and they create an experience. I mean, when you hear people talk about World of Warcraft, it is real. I mean, I'm, I've known four hardcore World of Warcraft people who take days of jobs, have, uh, ignore their wives, have lost their marriages. I mean, we're talking like it is the experience of it. And then when you think of the flip side, who's making it, that's what they're doing it for. Right. Obviously, they're making money, but they're selling you this idea and this experience. EA comes along and takes over something like SimCity. They're selling me... A game. Everybody, here's a game. Give us your $60. We're going to put this restriction on it, that restriction on it, blah, blah, blah. They're not selling me an experience. Like, I'm not hearing it. I've looked it up a little bit. There's none of that. It's just, here's the game. Play it. Here are the rules. Here's the restrictions. That's why EA kind of sucks the life out of it. There's a lot of, um, around the Blizzard games, There's yeah, there is a lot of uh, fiction and lore. And, you know, there is a universe created, like StarCraft. The characters are interesting, the story's interesting, and then when you get down to it, the gameplay is extremely complex, which you might go, well, that's that's shitty, you don't want to play a really complex... No, well, no, the people it's simple it, to play, love it. but there's a lot of nuance to the game, so there's a whole thing in Korea where people play StarCraft professionally as a sport. It's televised, like... You could turn the TV on at 7 o'clock in Korea for primetime TV, and it's a StarCraft tournament. That's how important it is over there. South it, Korea. Yeah, it, be be, <laughs> it became very, um, you know, integral to us to their society. Like, it's it's um, it's so complicated. It's like the best game of chess you've ever seen. What's well, I'll say for the whole society, because I'm sure not 100% of the people in Korea, South Korea... Not all it. of them, but youth, let's say. Um, but that's like saying everyone in America loves sports, and we don't, but other people might right, think that. Right, but it's more so that um, there's more a lot less... More sports are here. Uh, esports is as big as sports are here. There. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sponsored by major corporations. It's televised on primetime TV. It's huge, huge. And it's very, you know, for us, we couldn't imagine that. I can. 
Yeah, I couldn't. I, like, I couldn't imagine that being as popular as the game on a Sunday. But think about this. You watch YouTube videos of people playing games all the time. Yeah, for strategy and stuff, yeah. I know, but you watch them. That's what I'm saying. You find it interesting and compelling and it's entertaining enough. That's all that is, right? People watching people play games. But it's really high-level play and it's complicated and you need to know the game. It's like watching a sport. Like, I can't watch an American football game and get much out of it because I don't get the game, right? I've never studied the game or, or understand the game. So, to me, it's just some people kicking a ball, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but if I watch a StarCraft game, I know enough about a StarCraft game that I can get enjoyment out of two other people playing it and going, oh my God, I would never think of what they're doing. They're, they're just so... Whew. It's like watching a grandmaster play chess. If you understand chess at a rudimentary level and then you watch a grandmaster play and he beats somebody in two moves, you can't even comprehend that somebody can do that. You're like, why does that not ever happen for me? Like, But you can comprehend why people who do understand it would be compelled to watch. Right. So StarCraft is that kind of game. The multiplayer aspect, which I never get into because I am so in um, inadequate at it, I just get destroyed every time I play. I really love the campaign, you know, the story. But the actual multiplayer, even if I matchmake and get somebody who's really bad, like me, they usually still win me. Because I, it's very complicated and um, very stressful because it's under time constraints. The, the story, you can just kind of sit back and play it. And see, they're selling the experience right. to people. The why do you want to play? This is why you want to play, and this is what we want you to have. Whereas my problem with when we're comparing things like SimCity and that and the launch and stuff... The care that goes into these Blizzard games is different than the care that I think EA controls over the other things. It's a property. We own it. You're going to buy it. Well, I'm sure Blizzard think that too. I mean... In the bigger picture. Mm. But in the moment, it seems like they don't... I mean, they do have some failings with their customer service and stuff, I think, from what I've heard from the people who are obsessed with it. But not as much as like EA having a game that doesn't even work. And what I, what I really appreciate about this expansion pack, Heart of the Swarm, is the original StarCraft II was a 20 to 30 hour game. Really big, substantial game. And this is an expansion pack that adds on to the story. Expansion packs are usually kind of a few more missions, some new characters for multiplayer. This is a 20 hour story that is almost as long as the original. And it's the follow-up. There's CGI cutscenes, and Blizzard do the best CGI cutscenes in the business. I mean, they're like, they look like a Hollywood movie they're so good um, and this this is a 20 hour game and it costs 39.99 and I got it for 29.99 because they were selling it cheap on Newegg for the day so that's unbelievable they could have easily charged $60 and people would have bought it but they don't which to me still $30 for a game is a lot for a 20 hour game plus multiplayer that you can play forever the online matchmaking mm -hmm. is free you can go on Battle.net and always play that forever now. So it's an unlimited game if you're into it. How long has it been since the original? About a year. Maybe right. a year and a half. It's been a while because I bought. I have a StarCraft keyboard. Mm -hmm. That's how much I like StarCraft. And I bought that Star, I've had that StarCraft keyboard over a year. And I bought that when StarCraft came out. So um, I recommend it. It's really cool if you like RTS games. It's a different type of game. If you've never played an RTS game... And you feel, you think, I might like an RTS game, but I don't know where to start. StarCraft's a good starting point. Start with the original StarCraft 2. Because it's so well-crafted and it's so... The original StarCraft 2, not the original StarCraft. 
No, because that's from DOS era, so it's too outdated okay. now. Just get StarCraft 2, um, which is the first game of this. It talks you through... The tutorials are really well done, so like you know how to play it, kind of. you got it, baby steps, and it takes you through. Because it is a complicated game, but by the time you're out of the tutorials, you're like, yeah, I know what to do now, I get it. Um, if you started with Heart of the Swarm, I think you might have a problem, because they assume... Yeah, like the Hobbit does, that you know how to control it at least rudimentary, you know. So there isn't really a tutorial. It's just like there you go, do some stuff, and you're like, oh wow. And it was even hard for me because I haven't played StarCraft two for a while. So when I came to out of the swarm and the first mission started, I'm like, okay, I'm a bit rusty. What am I doing? Which keys am I supposed to be on? You know, like it was a bit like that. So that's out of the swarm. It's out now. I've also been playing this week. I've been playing this for a few weeks now, but I didn't mention it. Real Racing 3 on the Android tablet. It's out on the iPad and the iPhone as well. But it's EA. It's an EA racing game. And you can play it with your friends. But you don't really play it with your friends. Your friends play it, and then you play it, and then it makes ghosts of your friends on the, on the track. And you race against them. And me and a friend have been going back and forth. I beat his time, he beats my time, I beat his time. You know, it's going to come to a point where neither of us can beat the time. So somebody's going to be on top. But it's so much fun. It's a free game. It's by EA. Surprisingly. In there is a lot of trappings of, do you want to buy a new car? Give us some money. Now, I don't know how I feel about this, right? Because these are called freemium games. So this real racing is completely free to play, right? You don't have to pay a cent. You download it and you play it. And it's a really... You've seen it. It's like Mm -hmm. a console quality game on your phone or your tablet. Now, you don't have to pay for it. But you can pay for it. Now, this is kind of where where I see this. I could play this game for months. It's that in-depth. And there's that many races and that... 600 races in it. I could play it for months. Because that's dumb. You only play for a few minutes at a time. Right. And that's, Five the, minutes that's how minutes. it's kind of set up. That's why it can go on for a long right. time. Right. So I would probably pick it up every day, have a couple of races, put it down, you know, for months. Now, I, this is how I see freemium games. I'm not giving them a penny to play that. And if I play it in that manner, I'd never have to pay. But there's a little store and you can buy a better car or a better pack of cars or some more coins to buy a car. Now, this is how I see it and it... Might not be how you agree. You might not agree. But I'm not paying for this game and I'm getting a lot of pleasure out of it. If it gets to a point where I think, wow, I've played 40 hours of this game, I might drop them $10 because the developer, like, made the game. And I... But the developers are being paid by EA. Yeah, right, but... A game has to make money somehow, right? I mean, it's it, that's the that's why they make the game, right? To make some money. Now... If I'm getting a really lot of enjoyment out of it, I might just drop once, buy a car. And that's it. And then play it forever. For nothing more. And I see that as I paid $10 for that game. I don't... I feel like I should give them some money at a certain point. You never gave Mafia Wars any money? Um, no, I did not. But this game, I... It's a lot more effort in this game, and it's a lot. I very, I enjoy it. Like right. I, I play it as I'm playing it, and I'm like, this is Gran Turismo, on my tablet. I mean, it is. It's that detailed. It's that. It's that many cars. There's that many tracks. It comes to a point where I look at my in-game timer and go, I've played this for so long. Now's the time to give them some money. I feel like I should. Like I'm playing this free game. Um, now some games on the Android store they charge you up front. This game's ten dollars. Play it as long as you want. It's only the same thing. 
Mm. You know? So I, I'll probably drop them some money at some point. I feel like I will. If I carry on playing it and I'm still having fun and there's a car that costs... There's some cars that you can only pay real money for, right? Mm. It'll come to a point where I feel like dropping them some money, maybe $5. I'll buy a car and that's it. I've paid them. And you them. do buy other other things that give you the option as well you have that humble bundle thing where which i did buy a humble bundle developers this developers will say here's five games you can give us a nickel or you can give us ten dollars you right. can give us two dollars and you always give them a fair ten, amount of i was money. giving ten dollars yeah. right and get the games and then enjoy them as well right so. and i did buy the this week's humble bundle which just came out and this was great there it's not available anymore so it's kind of invalid but there was a humble bundle this week and the minimum price you could pay was six dollars mm. so i paid ten because it goes, and I, I always click the slider. You can give some to developers, give some to charity, or all. Yeah, to they charity. give you the option as well. You can give none of it to the developers. Right. You know right? what? I give it all to charity. I always do, because um, you know. Because that's their point is to. Give that's the point, to isn't it? Right. So, so I give it all to charity. And what was great about this last hum- humble bundle is it was six games, and it gives you the Steam codes to play them, so you get them on Steam forever. And it also gives you Android codes for the same mm-hmm. games. So I have the phones on my, the games on my tablet and the same games on Steam. And I'll get more play out of them because you do, don't you? You're kind of, oh. Sure. So for $10, I got six games, but I can play them on both things, which is a really cool deal. I've never seen that before. So yeah, I will pay if I feel... If it's a charity, no question, and there's some games I want, I'll buy them. If there's a good Steam sale and there's a game for a dollar, why not? Like, if it looks cool. Like, I bought Test Drive Unlimited for a dollar. It's amazing. That, that's a $60 game. Why not pay a dollar for it and play it? But this kind of freemium thing, that's how I see it. If you, if you start playing it and go, this is crap, and then you uninstall it, well, then don't give them any money, right? But if you mm. really get into it, why not give them some money? You know? So that's how that works. I've been playing more of Euro Truck 2. Yeah, you. I love it. I mean, I love that you play it. It's such it's a weird game for me to like. I don't know why I like it. It's weird. I put my headphones on late at night. I find it's the best time. Really late at night, turn the lights off, put your headphones on, tune into the radio station in the truck. I listen to a real radio Manchester. It's a Manchester radio station. Um, and it's usually because it's live radio station. And it's, it's like the morning show. It's like then. four o'clock in the morning. So... It's the four o'clock in the morning DJ, which is similar to Alan Partridge, if you know <laughs> <it is. laughs> You know, so I'm listening to that and there's some old songs that you know and it's kind of cool. And then I'm driving a truck. So I drove the truck this week, a really epic journey one. I did from Manchester, England to the Czech Republic. And I took a big lorry full of toys. Ah. So, um, I don't know, it's a compelling game. <laughs> and it's really weird why. Um I actually went on the channel tunnel on it this time as well, instead of the ferry. So you drive onto the tunnel, the train takes you down the tunnel, and then you come out the other side and you're in France. And this is one of those things in life that you probably think people... You always talk about they bring porno stars and stuff on Howard Stern and they ask him questions that everybody thinks are obvious. And then if they don't know them, they're idiots, which I disagree with completely. This is one of those things that other people might think I'm an idiot. Might think I'm an idiot, and I am definitely not an idiot, but I thought you could drive through the channel... Like that, it's just a road, like any other big, massive tunnel that's been driven. You know, there's one in New York, there's others around the world. It's lanes of traffic and people drive on it. It's just a big train track. Right, but I didn't know that. And you're like, well, no, they're on the train. I'm like, oh, there's a train too, also? 
Like, it's faster to take the train, but you can also drive. No, it's just a train. Well, no I didn't know that. So if anyone else didn't know that, you're in good company. Very good company, in fact. So that game's out now. Euro Truck Simulator 2. It's really fun. It's on Steam. <laughs> it's $40. Um, but it's a huge game if you get into it. It's got a... Not just driving a truck, a business management sim. You can hire drivers, buy more trucks. But there's no online thing, right? You're not driving. There is no online people. at all, which I think something that's lacking. And maybe in the third version of it, they could have. Because I have a friend who plays it too. It would be really cool to like be able to communicate with him in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm in Manchester. Where are you? Or let's, like. Maybe, yeah, then you get distracted. Maybe a CB radio. How about that? That's what <laughs> truckers use, right? You can talk yeah. to your friend in it. Well, probably. I mean, you could do it yourself with Skype, right? You could both drive together, and but you could never meet up. Or meet up. I have to get this delivery to you by a certain time, and you have to meet me, and we have to meet here. We change, or you get my trailer. Or like I do a job for you. I come to your business, and you pay me to take some stuff to the Czech Republic. And then you just sit there and stare at your screen until I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. So, yeah, that's a European Truck Simulator 2. Um... My other piece of news, last one here really is, uh, there's no more Google Reader. I love Google Reader. You don't know what Google Reader is. It's an RSS reader that Google provides. It's in, if you've got Gmail at the top, it says Reader. You click it and you can add subscriptions. I use it for listening to podcasts, reading all my news. Well, Google are putting it out of business. Uh, they're just ditching it. July the 1st is the last, um, well, July the 1st, it will not exist anymore. I found a great alternative. It's free. It's called Feedly, F-E-E-D-L-Y, Feedly. Um, there's an Android app, an I, uh, Apple app, and um, it's also on Windows. You just It's a web page, so um, you make an account. It automatically, when you make an account, says, are you a Google Reader user? Ah. You say yes, you press it, and all your stuff appears. Beautiful. And then it's ready. I bet they just got a lot of attention. They did. And the reason I found it was Lifehacker did an article. Do you use Google Reader? Do you need an alternative? There was a big list. I tried about five of them and I settled on this Feedly because the Android app is awesome. It's like a magazine. You can flick through it. Um, so And it's free. So uh, if you like Google Reader, want to go and check that See, out. See, they should have thought about that before. I know. <laughs> I bet they got a lot of... Um, mm-hmm. Well, there's advertising, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like Gmail, kind of like a little ad in the corner sometimes. Not all the time. So they are getting some money from it. But yeah, it's a great... And the app's free on the... They have uh, Google ads? No. <laughs> that would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, and this week, Tuesday, there'll be some new games out. The first one will be Gears of War Judgment, which is essentially Gears of War 4, but it's not actually. It's a prequel. And the second one is Walking The Walking Dead Survival Instinct. Mm. which is a new Walking Dead game, but it's not like that other game. It's a shooter, but it features the cast of the TV show. So... It worries me. Merle is in it. um, Merle. Rooker does the um, voice. Daryl, too. Daryl's in it. In fact, it's their story, I believe. You're with them. No wonder it's a shooter. And it's... uh, Officially licensed AMC, so it's a it's. I think it's they're pitching it as an episode of the show that you haven't seen yet. Like when the two just left, went off on their own for a while. Right, maybe that. Yeah, so uh, that's out on Tuesday. It could be garbage, but we will see. I mean, the last Walking Dead game was not garbage. It was your game of the year? Yes, it was. So we'll see what it's like, and it's out on Tuesday. I'll tell you next week. So Sid, what's for dinner?
dinner tonight is going to be something like I've got some fresh vegetables and stuff. I walked into the store and I smelled like Mexican flavor, you know, cumin, paprika, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it's very distinctive. Something to do with that flavor. And I got some whole wheat tortillas. And I'm going to make some rice with almonds. Mexican like, something. Yeah, Mexican something. The flavors of it. And then I've got fresh onion, pepper, tomato to chop up and put on it. And then I've got some canned tomato. And we've got the Ooh, crumbles. Oh, sounds good. I know. Thank you. And there's a sweet potato in there for some reason. Um, beans as well. And then for dessert, we will be having some... I have vanilla ice cream. And I got some strawberries and pineapple. And that just tastes really good together. Like yeah, pineapple in there. So that's what's for dinner. They're my favorite two fruits, actually. Well, I have three favorite fruits. I'm Wait, not, I've been married to you for how long? I do not know this. I'm not an apple fan, as you know. I don't. Correct. Not really into apples, apart from apple pie. And but you don't I like apricots because they might kill you. Apricots, I'm allergic to. Right. <laughs> so that I know. <laughs> um, banana. You love banana. I I do, but it, I have to be in the right mood to eat one. Me too. Um, doesn't sound really like a filling. Like. Doesn't sound like a favorite. <laughs> no, but it is overall. Okay. Oranges, can't stand them. Don't want oranges ever. I, I don't know, know. I know. You try Pineapp- it every time, though. Yeah, I will try it, but uh, I always go there. <laughs> Pineapple, awesome. I could eat the whole can. I like, what do I like on pizza? Pineapple. <clears throat> and uh, my other one is strawberries. Fabulous. But they have to be sweet, not those like. These are sweet. Yeah. They were frozen and they're sweetened. So they're just frozen in a thing. But that's why I like it. I just like a little bit of ice cream and strawberries, and then I'm gonna chop up the pineapple to get with it. Nothing. There's no texture going on. Nothing crunchy. No. Whatever. Well, pineapple's crunchy. Yeah, true. And then my advice isn't really advice this week. It's a question mixed with probably advice that's implied, but I'm not gonna make it very clear. Um, okay, the the world's falling apart. Or you can consider it post-apocalyptic, or what's the word that you like? Dis. Dystopian. Dystopian. Well, dystopian is more of a controlled world, right? I do not know. Yeah, it's like 1984, like Orwell, like Big Brother. But isn't it just the opposite of a utopia? Like everything's falling apart? Yeah, it is falling apart too. Well, Hunger Games is dystopian. Okay. Like, kind of confined. We've got our utopia, but it's on the backs of a horrible circum... Okay. Okay, whatever. The whole (laughs) world, though, is falling apart. There might be pockets of these elite people who are fine. But you have a small group. This is very standard for movies and games, of course. You have a small group that you've kind of... You were in in somewhere and the world fell apart instantly and you're with this group of people. Now, come along some other people and you get to choose one of these personality types or actual people, one of them, to be in your group. Just one. The rest of your group is made up of idiots and incompetence and you, who are, like, if I'm thinking of myself, I'm, I'll am i be great in a survival situation. I don't know. I don't think anybody else that I probably would stumble across would be. But these people come along and they say, one of us will stay with you. Uh, these are fictional characters, by the way. <laughs> I, I started with real people and I thought, no, I'm going to go fictional because they encompass more personality. So you can have Indiana Jones or MacGyver or Major Margaret Houlihan. From MASH. Correct. Or Captain Catherine Janeway. Can I add two more to that? It doesn't really fit these the are game, unoffi- These just... are unofficial ones. Okay. These are mine. <laughs> Don't um, say Luke Skywalker. Steve Austin. <laughs> uh, not the wrestler. The Six million dollar man. Okay. <laughs> definitely, right? Okay. No, and not definitely. You can add him. That's fine. Six million dollar man. Daryl from The Walking Dead. Is he called Daryl? Daryl the good one. 
the, well, the crossbow. Yeah, not Merle. But yeah, he looks like okay. I, I think I feel safe with him. <laughs> you feel safe with him, but you have to think. What else does this person bring to this? You could add Mahatma Gandhi. Oh my God, he'd be awesome. It's a dystopian. It's a dystopian world. We need somebody with amazing skills and like the fortitude to withstand hardships. However, can Mahatma Gandhi feed you? Can Mahatma Gandhi defend you? You know. What about Bear Grylls? Pardon? Bear Grylls, Bell Gillis. You know, man versus wild. That guy. He drink no, his he's own real. piss. He's real. Oh, he's we real, need fictional people. <laughs> So of those people, I'm not going to say who I would have, because it's a tough decision. When you think these people have some skills. Captain, How are those? Captain you... Janeway, she's fucking awesome. Major Hulan, she's a nurse, and she's a major. She's awesome. She's very resourceful. MacGyver, we know MacGyver. I don't know how much of a leader he is. Indiana Jones, what do you think he brings to the table? Well, he's probably pretty well adaptable. He can, you know, fit in situations. <laughs> he's, he's kind of... Um... Indiana Jones, though, he's not... He's, he stumbles through stuff. Like, it, like it's... Um, yes, he's, yes yeah. he's intelligent and stuff. See, that's the que- that's the crux of the question. But his things are... Because you think, um, oh, Indiana Jones, he's an yeah. adventurer. He'd be great. But is he really, or is he incompetent? Could he... He's kind of incompetent, isn't he? I mean, it, it, some stuff... You know, like, well, for instance, in Indiana Jones, where he has to put the weight on him yep. in the book. Awesome. Well, yeah, but he, he sets it off. Right? He, he doesn't, you know, he, he's, he, he gets through stuff, right? He's not exactly the True. best. But yeah, I would trust him. <laughs> he's not the best, though, is he? He's a ah, bit but that's the question. Do you trust him because of the illusion of who he is or because of who he can really bring to a survival situation? He seems lucky to me more than that. I won't tell skilled. you who I would choose, but you can probably guess. You choose Janeway, probably. <laughs> Very possible. I choose... Uh, st- and none of these people come with any of their accoutrements. They do not come with their replicators or their weapons or their starships or their mash units or their gadgets or their resources. They but are. If, they're but just if I chose Steve Austin, would he have his bionics? He's my, it's part of him. I mean, yeah, obviously I, there's no maintenance was, available for him. Steve. I you can't take him to the lab and have him fix his eye or his ear. No, eye. Bionic woman idea. <laughs> That's the running. He had I. Okay. Because so, I had an action well, figure. We can, add six, million, we can add six million dollar man to that. I would have him, no problem. He's. She strong. can also add Velma from Scooby Doo. Because if you think about her skills, very good. What about Shaggy? No, you Shaggy. can't. You don't want to add idiots. Yeah, but he's good at being scared. Shaggy's almost Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> But worse, at incompetent. The best thing about Shaggy, this is a good skill. <laughs> this is Shaggy's best skill, in my opinion, right? He eats like a horse, yeah, he's the thinnest man alive. Why would you want that in a survival situation? <laughs> yeah, but it's a good skill. I right? want the guy who is like constantly wanting to eat hordes of food when you have 10 people in the world falling apart. You don't want, you would maybe want to kill and eat Shaggy, but you don't, well, no, he's not got a lot of meat on his bones. Right. So that's my, my question. I may or may not choose Janeway, but it's a toss-up. So thanks for listening to the and show. And why not the bionic woman, by the way? Uh, I, like, uh, I like Steve. That is sexist. The eye is better than the ear, I think. I think I'd rather have the eye. Mm. <laughs> that's a question for next week. <laughs> Which bionic part? If, you, if your body, if you've just been in a crash and they have to replace at least one of your body parts with bionic parts. Which... Could be really annoying having a bionic ear. Oh my god. But imagine that imagine. dog. 
sat in the living room. I don't have bionic ears and that bugs me. So imagine, well, yeah, I think you do have bionic ear, don't you? I do. <laughs> You're right. All right. So uh, I want to thank you for listening and remind you about our websites, acecully.com, sidtor.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace. No longer on the Google Reader. Not on the Google Reader. <laughs> you can catch it on any other reader, though. Go to the RSS feed. Uh, and uh, I want to say um, stay classy, Mr. Bilbo Baggins. Thank you. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, because if you don't do it, somebody's going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>